Hey, I'm Alan McGuire. And I'm Sarah Griffin. And this is Juvenalia, a podcast where we talk to each other about a bit of pop culture that was important to us when we were young. Uh, we have no guest today. No. Um, pandemic is over and uh, the ready ready availability of guests is, is uh, has people changed. Have, people have lives. People, people are going have, places and lives. They, they have dinners and doors they have to go to. <laughs> They're unwilling to jump on a Zoom and think about the past with us. But and uh, so it was my fault. I messed up. I didn't book someone time because I was on holidays. So instead, what we're going to do is talk about little pop cultural bits and pieces from our childhood that really impacted us but which will never be a full juvenile episode because they're just not that deep. They're just things that happened or that we still remember in, that impacted us in a weird way. So, Sarah, do you want to do your first one kicks off? Yeah. I have no idea what they are. We didn't talk about these beforehand. This yeah. is exciting. We're, we're doing a soft juvenile this week, which is nice. Um, I like the the very rare occasion where it's just me and Al is really good because... Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. We don't get to do it very often, so I'm excited. So my yeah. first, my first one is something that I came across recently um, that brought me back to a very particular. And this is incredibly specific, Alan. But um, I guess I'm gonna put the central motif of this very important little bit of culture as just a Pikachu on a surfboard. Mm-hmm. I really like inexplicably the prevalence of a Pikachu on a surfboard. Uh, throughout pop culture it's something that showed mm-hmm. up in the tv show of pokemon it's something that's in the opening credits of some of the pokemon games it's completely contradictory because pikachu's an electric pokemon mm-hmm. famously be defeated by water types yeah. famously to be defeated by water types and yeah never played a pokemon game i i know that what? like yeah. Yeah. we'll get back to that we'll get, we'll get back, mm-hmm. to that, yeah. back to that Alan. but mm-hmm. um yeah loves to surf and recently Mm -hmm. i have had a few little moments of feeling very warmed by being reminded of surfing pikachu so Mm -hmm. uh, louis zong is a musician storyboard artist all-around internet person internet thing maker and artist uh when we were talking of mike you mentioned next sisierga who uh did a bunch of fun internet things, I guess, that were like bigger than just a meme, I suppose is the best way to describe mm. them. Like Mouth Sounds is one of the famous things that he's done, uh, which I should talk about later because if I start talking about Mouth Sounds, I will go. Oh, that is that is actually a whole Patreon episode in itself, I would that say. Is. Mouthfields and Mouth Sounds. Mouthfields yeah. and Mouth Sounds listening party. Dreams. Is that a one? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's let's, a Patreon let's episode. Let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Liu Zhang sort of makes beautiful things for the internet. So the thing that he'd be best known for, I think, as I was trying to show Alan off, off camera again before we started recording, I was like, the little ghost having a saying, Alan. And you were like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And I was like, the little ghost in the graveyard. Woo, woo. And you were like, no, Sarah. No. Because um, <laughs> I feel like I'm up on my like my seasonal web signifiers, you know? Like, if if if, if he was to ask you to read the Pumpkinhead Ghostbusters dance guy, but like, Oh, he's Every great. Him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so there's three, these are the, th- the three he- Cerberus heads of Halloween on Twitter mm-hmm. is the spooky, scary skeletons, pumpkin head guy. Mm-hmm. Um, all these ghosts, all these ghosts. And I still can't find a boo. That's another one. And the other one is this video of the, woo, woo, the little singing guys. And mm-hmm. Lu Zhang is the person who animated and wrote that music. And he is, um, 
just a lovely musician and the stuff that he makes has a really nice sort of experimental synthy feel to it. it mm-hmm. You know, I'm not ashamed of being somebody who's into twee shit. That's who I am. Mm. That's fine. Uh, and he did <laughs> a really wonderful little album. It's 11 minutes long of music from the Pokemon games, but it's all done like surf rock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's brilliant. It's so good. It's so good. It's on YouTube and the picture for it is a little Pikachu on a surfboard and he just kind of bobs away there on the screen. And uh, I feel that the music of the Pokemon series, uh, which is, I feel like as we've talked about in our Pokemon episodes, fucking unbelievable. It's astonishing. Mm -hmm. Um, Goes really hard at all times. Uh, Lends itself to that sort of soft Beach Boysy summery sound kind of almost 60s-ish um, mm-hmm. 60s electric sound and this little album uh, is absolutely gorgeous and uh, is I think the centrepiece of my feeling good about surfing Pikachu in, in Pokemon Snap which I played recently did you play Pokemon Snap? no I didn't oh it's a vibe it's a vibe I don't know what yeah. I, I, I gotta say because I'm such an old Pokemon lady I was like, I don't know who half of these boys are, but mm-hmm. I'll tell you who I did know. It's Pikachu <laughs> on a surfboard. And at the end of one of your little safaris, you see Raichu on a surfboard. And I was very pleased <laughs> to take a picture yeah. of a happy little surfing Raichu living mm-hmm. his best life. It felt very sophisticated. It felt like, aha, you thought mm-hmm. you were... Ge- ah, yeah, haven't seen this one on a surfboard. Um, so that's my trifecta of Pikachu on a surfboard experiences um, that make me feel uh, just, I feel like I've better. seen Pikachu on a surfboard many times and the yeah. reason why I would have because I haven't played any of the games and I haven't watched cartoons since my little brother watched them when they came out as we talked about in our that's where our, yeah that's where our couple of years in difference really makes a difference I yeah think. but yeah Surf Pikachu is totally I think no reason why Surf Pikachu should exist at all why like it should be Squirtle I guess makes yeah. more sense yeah sometimes Squirtle as one of the as one of the four lads that everybody knows yeah the four the four yeah. boys the red boy mm. the green boy the blue boy the yellow boy you know mm. um, but I, I admire Pikachu's audacity and uh, his sick moves um, mm. and this little album particularly is just a real treat and um, I would recommend it for a a pleasant listening experience. Um, yeah, it's great. Alan, what's your uh, your your small wee good thing? So my first one is um, so when I was about nine or ten, I started watching Star Trek: The Next Generation, and I kind of I got into the idea that I was into sci-fi when actually I was just into Star Trek. Wow! So I went to the library and got out a book of sci-fi short stories, which I think it turned. I think now in respect were too old for me. They were very heady and. I read the first one which is the one I'm going to talk about and I was like I am out of my depth with this mm. so it's um, in the story um, there's like some scientists and some like army guys waiting on a runway for an alien spaceship to land that they've been communicating back and forth with and the guy the scientist has made friends with them and he's like is really excited to meet these aliens because they've been sending back like TV shows and like radio shows and stuff back and forth through radio waves for like a, a couple of years at this point um and they land but nobody can see them and they're claiming that they're being attacked by these 
giant animals and but nobody can see giant animals and nobody can figure out what's going on and um so the scientist realizes that everything that has been sent to them has been sent at like super high speed like it was the, their transitions were taking place in the blips in between our transmissions so they have, they have to be slowed down like like those justin bieber super reverbs things to actually get something that we could see out yeah. of them and he realizes that twist at the end that he realizes that these things are actually atomic size these aliens and they exist at like 15 times our speed and they've landed they basically have sank through the runway because they're so small they're smaller than like they've oh. gone in between the atoms and they're oh, like no. <laughs> in a mud puddle getting attacked by like ants no. and then it's it, terrible it, it, and it ends with him realizing that so this i was like blew my mind obviously as a 10 year old the idea of like things existing at different speeds in the same universe and mm. aliens not being anything even remote, like see, seeming like relatable to us, but also being completely outside of our, like completely unbridgeable gaps between us essentially. Mm. And then it just stayed in my head as a, what a sci-fi story is for like twin, like a very long time. So then when I was on Metafilter, they have a section called Ask Metafilter where you just can ask a question and everybody can chime in and try to figure it out for you. So in, I looked it up, it was 2011. I was like, does anybody know what this story is? I've, here are the details I remember. And someone was like, I got it. It's Pictures Don't Lie by Catherine McLean. It's from 1951. <gasps> it is uh, out of copyright, but it's on Google Books. You can just like read it. It's thir- like 31 pages long. Did you go back to it? Yes. I, I just read it today. I read the first, start and the end to make sure it was the one. It definitely is. Oh my God. It's really well written. The characters just immediately pop out. Um... I'm really, I'm going to go back and start, I think, start reading some old sci-fi. Yeah. I think I'm ready there for that to be my jam. I think we are, we're post-pandemic, new, new things. We're going to slough off our old interests, get new ones. Oh, Mine is, I'm going to be got a... got surf rock. Like, <laughs> I got my 50 sci-fi. You could wear your old, you, you, you could like go into like sci-fi archives. I'll wear Crocs, you mm-hmm. know, we can just. Yeah. Restart ourselves. Like sci-fi can be very like, because it the science bit can be kind of the mm. bit that hits you first, especially in older work, um, which is, you know, a pain. And Star Trek mm. is remarkable because it's so about people, and so not about science. Yes, and, exactly. Um, the best science fiction is that shit at the periphery, not at the center. Uh, mm. I read. Ted Chang's um, the short story that Arrival is based on which is called This is the Story of Your Life mm. um, and it's fucking beautiful <laughs> mm. and uh, it's not that technical but it's a little mm. bit technical. it's about linguistics yeah, yeah. is what it's about mm. you know and to be able to tell a story that's about linguistics and deciphering alien linguistics while also mostly about making it about a conversation between a mother and her daughter where she explains about the affairs that she's had and shit like it's mm. it's as much about that as it is about mapping out an alien language mm-hmm. you know but equally a reader might pick it up and be like eh too much too much big word, yeah. too much abstraction, you know. But there mm-hmm. must have been something in that one that hit that stuck with you. It was, right? I think, it's because it is so well written, right? And mm. it, it at the start, he's got get the guy's sense to get like interviewed by journalists, and they're like, 
do you have any like worries about these guys coming and he's like no and like you know something's going to happen but this guy has no worries whatsoever he's watching their tv shows watching their sitcoms you know and he just it just completely upended my idea of what what you can do in a story what you're allowed to do that mm. you can just break things because it's there's also um a star trek novel i wrote read around that time which is about this just object that just caused seizures in people hmm. when they saw it and they sent jordy the forge over because he had his visor that and he could see things differently from everybody else and he got in there and realized he lasted like 25 seconds and the sound overwhelmed him and he just collapsed from sound but he realized he was in an art gallery from from you know from a race who just have a completely different like visual spectrum and audio spectrum to us and it just ruins the minds of everybody except them and oh, i love sci-fi. that it's like sci-fi love it it's oh i love that it's so good that's really mm. brilliant that's great that's really that's really good What's yeah it's like written sci-fi can do so much again? more what's the name of the man mm-hmm. who invented it again oh gene roddenberry okay i'm not going to te- say this on the air because it's after changing my star trek brain so profoundly that i would like mm. listeners who enjoy star trek and the work oh, of gene roddenberry shit. No, it's not even just. The oh, music. the pleasure thing. Yeah, did you read that? Did they spend your timeline? Yeah. So yeah, the thing was that there was an interview with him about where an interviewer asked him. I think I don't know if it was in his biography or what. Where his interviewer asked him what his idea of total pleasure was, and his answer. No, it, it, was, it was a producer. Was it a producer? producer? One of the writers had written a, a story, and the um, the one the hook was that these um genius mathematicians they like study maths really intensely till they're 25 and then just do whatever they want after that they just lose all social boundaries because they've made their contribution to the to the race and like the thing the hook of it was like genius is pain and Gene Roddenberry was like it is pain but you know what's pleasure and then he it tells you the thing yeah yeah so I would recommend that anybody who does not know this anecdote look it up because it is simply mm-hmm. unsayable like I am a I yeah. am a I am down I will I am like I was just so shocked when I read it. I was like, yeah. I couldn't. With the tone of Star Trek, to be honest, I was like, I'm mm-hmm. not surprised by this. Uh, but it was, yeah. it was really something. And once you've seen it, you can't unsee it. Uh, so please look up that conversation about Gene Roddenberry and pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be fair, that idea with the art gallery is real good. Like, yeah, I wish I could remember oh. who wrote that, that novel. Um, yeah, because there's some good ideas in those Star Trek novels. Because they can just, they have this big framework they can just throw anything they want into. God, they don't that's need to magic, build up, isn't it? You can you know? just kind of play yeah. within that thing that you've built. It's really brilliant. It's because, you know, like with Cypher, they say what? You get like, you get like five things you can say that are, that break the world as we know it. And then you, and you need to get those out of the way early in the book. You get like your five like new ideas. But with Star Trek, you have like 15 ideas baked in that you can just work around. You don't need to explain those away at all. So you have whole new five new ideas to throw in there as well on top of that. And you can also just explain the idea of the conceit of Star Trek in like a single line, which they do in the beginning. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. here's a fucking ship. We're going out on peace missions. We're trying to fucking meet some people <laughs> and, you know, learn some shit. Like, ta-da! You need to know, yeah. you need to know nothing more. Like, it's mm-hmm. perfect. Like, it's it's brilliant. Um, Sickened for myself yeah. that I, I that I myself did not invent that. <laughs> <laughs> but to, to have that kind of a construct means you can have a lot of fun within it um, it's mm. hard earned it's hard earned um, yeah. what's your second thing uh, Alan I've been watching King of the Hill again really yeah okay and when I was a kid I did not like King of the Hill 
at mm. all for the same reason that I sort of if you if you've ever played juvenile bingo and you're like listening out for shit that I say over and over and over again because I wasn't like allowed to watch The Simpsons and I as mm. a result don't like The Simpsons. King yeah. of the Hill kind of fell into that thing of me just looking at it and being like, I don't know what this is. Mm. I don't like how this looks. Did you watch Beavis and Butthead? No, I also did not okay. like Beavis and Butthead. Because so, there was a Hank Hill character in that and King of the Hill is kind of a spin-off with that character, but like he's no. much less sympathetic in Beavis and Butthead. He's the butt of the joke and he's like, he's there to lose his temper at them essentially. Amazing. So it's so King of the Hill, Hank is a much softer version of that Beavis and Butthead character. Did not know that at And Daria obviously as well is the same. Daria I kind of like Daria because yeah. she was a girl. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, oh, look, girls. But I didn't yeah. understand Daria. I was like, I think I was too young when it was on to really kind of get it. Uh, so I rewatched it a little while ago and I found her cynicism has not really aged. It's kind of, mm. it's very Gen X. It's not where we're at anymore. Yeah. You know, it's, we're, we're, she's very disengaged. and It's not, that's not really what we, how we like to think of ourselves or how we like to approach the world anymore, I think. People that are like Daria now are much more engaged, I think, whereas Daria is like completely detached. And mm. it's all about just how she is not, she was will not move an inch with these people, whereas now, that that doesn't work now. These Those characters don't really work now. No, the hardness doesn't yeah. work. Like, watching mm. King of the Hill is really interesting in, in 2021. Like, mm. I watched it in San Francisco a lot um, because my American friends liked it and I... Like nothing like I will understand you through this TV show, but you know, like you you <laughs> yeah, watch yeah. it as part of a kind of a unit, mm-hmm. and I I loved it then when I watched it in my twenties, and I'm kind of on a second lap through it now, mm. having completely been alienated from it as a kid, just being like, what the fuck is it? Like not like actively not liking it, and mm. now I love it. Like I love it so much, and I, but I don't like Hank. Um, mm-hmm. I don't like Peggy's okay. I love. I'm basically watching it for Bobby and Luann. Yeah. I fucking love Luann. I love that Luann is good at everything. Mm-hmm. You know. Bobby is an amazing, oh, uh, like child, like an amazing child boy character. He walked. Like, he's like so the anti Bart Simpson. You know. He walked so Gene from Bob's Burgers could fucking run. Like, oh yeah. That's that's what that. Oh is. yeah, like. Like Jean and Tina are like Bobby, Bobby. split. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. two and they're the two best parts of like they're the two they're regarded with such kindness. Mm-hmm. Like it's a celebration of two parts of Bobby and not like a criticism. So mm-hmm. whenever Hank is being a shit like like a dick to Bobby, I'm just like, mm-hmm. fuck off, man. <laughs> you have the best kid in the fucking world, you know? Yeah. And um I, I think I was just probably going on Twitter for a while about like who Hank Hill would have voted for. <laughs> mm. And all I see when I see Hank Hill is is somebody who is a contemporary monster and mm. uh, totally not an everyman, a total cunt. Um, <laughs> but the cast around him is so funny. Like Dale is like everything he says is called like everything written mm-hmm. for Dale Gribble is fantastic his voice is fantastic like oh he's fucking great man um, so I've been really enjoying the vibe of King of the Hill in the last couple of weeks and just sticking it on the evening because it's it's so funny and it's mm. so is it streaming somewhere? we have DVDs we have oh. DVDs my god I Carrie have a DVD Be- of King of the Hill somewhere Carrie Bevan <laughs> my beautiful husband arrived into my life with many gifts and one of mm-hmm. them 
was his collection of much loved King of the Hill DVDs. So he has the okay. full he has the full box set. So mm. um yeah we're go we're rolling back through and it is like there's an episode recently uh recently like as if it's on fucking television <laughs> that I watched recently. Um yeah. Which is about Bobby thinking it's going to be they're going to throw him a surprise birthday party and what what's actually happening is something mm-hmm. else and uh, it's to do with fucking Hank and like accidentally renting some porno DVDs and going through some bullshit with the video shop right it's totally separate mm-hmm. but Bobby really thinks that they're going to throw him a birthday party a surprise birthday party and Luan is like yeah sure Bobby and uh, towards the very end this is another very tiny moment that if people want to go and look this up. Uh, where he's like, I'm just going to run in when everybody's home and I'm going to shout surprise. I'm going to like catch them in the act, you know. And they go into different rooms in the house and Luan says surprise and Bobby makes this little sound, (laughs) which I'm not going to (laughs) do because I want you to go onto YouTube and find it. Bobby Hill's Mm -hmm. surprise. I don't know. I'm sure there is a, I'm sure this has been much passed around because it is the best noise I have ever heard in my life Luan goes surprise and Bobby makes a little noise and it is maybe the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life I don't know mm-hmm. maybe my world has just gotten smaller but uh, I think it's brilliant yeah. I think it's brilliant and if I had if I had the capacity to find this entire show funny as a kid this would have lodged into like my lizard brain Mm-hmm. as you know like it would have it would have lodged in there well it, it has lodged recently into my lizard brain but I know that it there's a special place waiting for it is what I'm saying mm. so what's That's your cool. second second glimmering my, moment this one is a short one it's just something that completely traumatised me when I, saw, oh! I, saw it, I saw it literally once right oh no was, yeah um, so I remember being in my grandparents house and like two TV or something and it's something that plays music videos but on like terrestrial television mm-hmm. and the video for Don't Come Around Here No More by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers came on okay I don't know what that song sounds like I hope to never hear it again <laughs> it's the video is Alice in Wonderland themed oh no and Tom, and Tom Petty is a Mad Hatter oh no I but the Alice they there's one bit where they she's on a table and her body is turned into cake uh, and, but anyway, I was like six oh here, no so I, oh, I, I I'm looking at special effects Oh no, I'm looking at... Pi- oh no, I'm looking at pictures of this and this is a bad time. Yeah. yeah. So her body is a cake, her head is still moving. They take a slice out of her and start passing her her around to each other and it ends with Tom Petty eating her whole. No, and no, I it don't. broke my shit. I, <laughs> I have... I've, like, it's literally been 30 years. I still think about it regularly and go, I was so... I. I don't know if I should rewatch it or not. If I, I have a little gif of exactly what you're talking about here in front Do of you? me, and her hands are doing this thing while they're take, they're taking the cake out of her, yes. her body, and it's you see that as a child and you're done. You're done. traumatized. That is in like, the back of your head forever. That's your fucking sleep paralysis demon. Is oh like, yeah, like Tom Petty in the like, hat. Die Hard, Jurassic Park, all those kind of things. I shouldn't be watching around that age as well. The Tom Petty video for "Don't Come Around Here No More" is what fucked me up. Um, yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. The, there's a fish eye. It, it, is. it looks like it's shot with a fish eye lens, which yes. is uh, horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, the Alice girl is very pretty, um, which is also something that would kind of lodge in you, I'd imagine. 
Uh, yeah, his 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 um Mad Hatter costume is like Tim Burton found Rodden. You know what I mean? It's a. Uh, you know, I think the music the sound might have been down on the TV as well, so I had no context oh, for what no I was seeing. Musical context, yeah. yeah. Oh, and he has an enormous cup. He has mm. a really big cup that's gross, and it's full of brown tea. Oh, I don't like this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I want to watch that video either, Alan. Um, yeah. Somebody being like a cat. No, uh, it's you know it's her hand doing that thing that I don't like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, zero out of ten. Yep. Just uh, needed to, a horrible time. I needed to purge that essentially, to say it out loud in a medium, and now it's gone. Thank you for okay. allowing me to witness that. Yeah, uh, I remember once I, uh, I watched you. Robocop when I was in like, <laughs> when I was in like <laughs> fifth or sixth year, and there's a horrible bit in Robocop where before you know he before he gets turned into Robocop, he gets essentially brutalized by a gang. I have not seen Robocop. It's super violent, and the way he dies is super violent, and like very very squibby gunshots, and like. I'm not going to say exactly what happened, but it's something disgusting. Okay. And it literally haunted me for like days. And then um, our Irish teacher was like, yeah, right now, say what you did at the weekend. And oh I no! Like, I saw I saw this happen in Robocop. And then I was fine because I wrote it down and it was gone. It was amazing. This is why people go to fucking confession. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is why people, this is how they get you. This is mm-hmm. how the fucking Catholics get you is that feeling of I just need to say it and then it's gone. Like yeah. every so often, I will I will text some somebody in my life, being like, "Can I say something petty to you?" And now I'm just gonna start saying, "Can I say something weird and horrifying to you?" So it leaves mm-hmm. me, <laughs> so I can yeah. take it out <laughs> of my body and just yeah, can I yeah no yeah uh, yeah I hate that for you, and I hope you never have mm-hmm. to look at it. It's gross. Thank you, thank yeah. you, Sarah. Yeah, tell me your next thing. Yeah, um, I didn't have a next thing. I thought we were doing two for two. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. That sounds good. I had one more, but maybe someone might me, pick it one day. You I don't know. Last one. Oh, what's your thoughts? So my last one was bullseye. What's bullseye? You don't know what bullseye is? No. So it's again, it's because I was thinking of my, my my grandparents' TV in their house and stuff, and it brought me onto bullseye. So bullseye was a show on ITV. It's a darts based game show, and it ran for fourteen years from nineteen eighty one to nineteen ninety five. So darts. we used to go with my grandparents every Sunday, um, and. You just watch Bullseye at like half five and then the Angelus, then the news and then go home. I can feel uh, that. I feel like I can smell that and like I can I can feel the texture of that experience. Yeah. And like the yeah. TV it was in the kitchen and it was a small TV like a, the screen was like smaller than my laptop screen and it had buttons mm. for changing the channel and remote control. So Bullseye it was sent by Jim Bone and there was like three teams of two, a darts player and a non-darts player on each team. So the darts player would have to throw darts at a board and guess a category. And then the person would answer questions on it back and, and like they, that was basically the gist of it. But then at the end, there was a prize wheel and it which had like red and black all the way around the dartboard. And if you got red, you got the prize on it. If you got black, you got nothing. And if you hit the same one twice, you'd lose the prize. But the prizes were all shit. Oh, yes. Like notoriously yes! shit. There was like um, a TV with a word remote control or like a half fridge and kind of stuff but like a, like a 1987 half fridge oh you know? bad yeah and then mm. at the end they would get the chance to bet all that and all the money they'd won against the like the grand prize which also would be generally a little bit shit um but again it was like the darts player and the non-darts player would have to score 101 between them through six starts but often they would win a speedboat and these people would often just not be related. They would be two people from the same darts club. You now both own a speedboat together. Two co-own a speedboat, yeah. And they would often be from like landlocked counties, like 
but they would have no use for a speedboat. That is. They started. They had to phase out the speedboat because there was like limits well, yeah. on what prizes they could give out. Like there was like official limits on how much prizes could cost. So they were working within that thing. So like I guess a speedboat seems impressive, but is cheap. Weird. But um, but it was Jim Bone was it really engaging. He was just a uh, he was like a working class club comic originally, but and then by the time he was hosting that, he was like, um, kind of this bald, kind of like your dad's friend who's a bus driver or your uncle's friend who's a bus driver. That you, that says hello to you in the pub and gives you fifty pence for the pool table. Yes, that that guy. Yes, but like gruff, gruff middle aged man. But he was always like really because oh, because it was darts, it was very working class based, and all the teams were, were working class essentially, and all the audience would be working class. And because he was from there as well, there was like this real camaraderie about it. He would like mm. often like when he would talk to people about where they're from, be like and like what what are the jobs like there and stuff, and they'd be like asking, and because it was like in the middle of fucking Thatcher years as well. Right. It was always there in the background of like how fucked like are you doing all right? How are you doing and stuff? Um and I used to watch it with my granddad with a custard cream, one custard cream and watch Bullseye every Sunday for like a good old chunk of my childhood. That is amazing. It's very Oh my god. That yeah, is yeah. that is that is golden right there. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Yeah. I don't think I'll ever cup in Juvenalia. I think it's probably I feel like we could probably do a sort of a big break, you know, like Bullseye, you know, like mm. pub games. They did a, they did a cross, crossover episode once because they are very similar. Yeah. Like that's that's a vibe, I think. Mm. TV shows of pub games, you know. Yeah. Like I would, I would be really interested in that. Actually, on that, I do have a last one to go, and I won't go. Mm. I won't tell you about it. I won't talk about it because I definitely okay. know somebody will want to come on and do this, and I want. Mm. And now that I'm weirdly, I worry about myself sometimes, Alan. You know, when you get really yeah. stuck on something, and I'm like, I this should not be something that I, as a 33 year old woman, should be extremely interested in. But now I'm mm-hmm. fucked. Robot Wars. Robot Wars. <laughs> yes. What is <laughs> happening to me? Like, what? What has this pandemic done to me that I have suddenly got really into early, early Robot Wars? Um. Didn't I, Charles host that originally? So I'm still in the Jeremy Clarkson season. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's such mm. a bastard. He's <laughs> such a bastard for everybody. Um, it's fucking great. Mm. Like, it's... Maybe this is my broken head being, like, finding this funny and I and kind of poignant and I, I shouldn't. Like, there's one Irish team in it and I'm obviously... who They get knocked out and their little guy had was, like, covered in fluff. Like, a little... like mm-hmm. And, of course, it caught fire. Of um, course, yeah. And the winning team from their episode went on to the final and drove their fucking uh, I think it was like made of road signs I believe they won the whole thing um, mm-hmm. they brought when he drove into the arena it had a little bit of the fluff from the Irish team like welded on <laughs> as like a little yeah. salute to their fallen brothers and mm-hmm. I thought that was incredibly poignant um, but yeah I, I, if I start talking about it I'm going to talk about it for fucking an hour and yeah, what we no, should I do was, really I was super into it, it. Yeah, yeah. Great. Uh, Great. But think once once you watch a lot of it, you realize that there is like a formula for a winning robot, which is super low. Like basically, a Roomba with an axe is what wins. If if you have a, an axe that can flip, and that's it. A once you flip boy. back over, nah, yeah. Once you're upside down, you're fucked, man. Anyway, look, look, look. <laughs> yeah, somebody, we're definitely that. Sir Killalot. Is Sir Killalot? Sir Killalot. Yeah. And uh, robot there's fucking the house robots. Oh no, okay, no, no, no. I don't want to start talking <laughs> about the house robots because the way Charlie Brooker talks about them, like here, there's fucking family, is extremely funny to me. But that is really, 
uh, really something. You said Charlie Brooker there. Sorry, Charlie. Wow, you, whoa, why did I say Charlie Brooker? Jeremy yeah. Clarkson. Okay. Um, That's a weird connection. Okay, yeah. I don't know. Like, it's a really weird yeah. connection. Where did I get Charlie Brooker from? Oh, let's not dwell on it. Okay. Yeah, let's, <laughs> not dwell on it. <laughs> let's not dwell on it. Um, yes, let's do. Somebody, please have a conversation with us about robot wars or else we're yeah. just going to end up talking about it ourselves and mm-hmm. you know you're just going to have to on Patreon it. speaking of which patreon.com slash juvenalia is where you can find us doing smaller episodes like this all the time kind of yeah. we talk about what we've started and finished every week um, so recently there's been a lot of spirit fair talk a lot of Evangelion bit of Ted um, Lasso bit of Ted Lasso I think I don't like kind of anymore Mm-mm. you're in season two yeah People who've watched the like critics who watched all of season two have said they're doing a the thing. Leave a play out before you make a final judgment. Mm, okay. So give it a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, we this so this is our second last Zoom episode for a while. <gasps> we have one more, and then we are back to the studio, <gasps> which is very exciting. We've been yeah. here since September last year. It's really exciting. Um, so yeah, end of an era. We still will do Zoom episodes for like people who aren't in Dublin and stuff yeah. um, we're so used to it by now as well like I yeah. mean it'll allow us to talk to people in different countries it'll mm. everyone is sort of more fluent in distant episodes than we used to be so I don't see why we can't in some capacity keep doing it but it's very exciting to be getting back to the studio and I think yeah. we're going to have our, a very rare two guest episode coming up soon as well aren't we? Ooh, are we? Oh no, we're just having two people on the same day. Shit. I don't know why I assumed those two people were both talking about that movie because they both feel to me like they would be talking about that movie. Anyway, it's very exciting to get back into the studio and Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to cover a couple of pretty serious bangers as well. Mm. Um, Um, But yeah, till then, uh, thank you, Dean McDonald, for artwork. Thanks, Dee. And thank you to Cassie and uh, Every Tall Tales. Fergal is now there as well. Love you all. Um, so check it out oh uh, new podcast on Tall Tales this week Andrea Cleary our good friend Andrea our Cleary, house our story. house sounder Andy Cleary uh, it's called My Favourite Album uh, first episode's out it's with Sarah Corcoran from Pillow Queens also friend oh of the god, show talking about Tegan and Sarah also friends of the show oh my god yes Te- technically Sarah <laughs> Quinn has been on the show so technically all of those people have been on the show so, yeah, but yeah. the first episode is great. It's really, really good. If you liked Jeff Nelly, you would really, really like my um, favourite album. So check that out. And besides that, we'll see you either on Patreon or back here in two weeks. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.